Pod is a ministry of Grace Church Greenwich. For more resources to help you get to know God better through his word, including bite-sized theology and answers to big questions, do check out www.greenwich.church. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to Grace Pod and we're in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And this is kind of take two on the experiment of having a monarchy. So last time we were in 1 Samuel 8 and the people wanted a king for all the wrong reasons and they ignored the words of the Lord. And this time God promises a king for all the right reasons and they hear the word of the Lord. So it's a kind of a pair. It's the happy side of of the after a full start. It's a little bit like when we had a pair of uh, passages both about spies and you get when it goes wrong and when it goes right. So this is the, the good news on the king side. And it's about King David. And um, it says at the beginning, when the king lived in his house, the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies. And he says to his prophet, Nathan, um, I live in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And he has this idea, um, why don't I build God a house? And um, we take it from there. It's a kind of you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours moment. So God has been good to David. And when David was on the run from Saul, he had little to offer apart from his fears. But now, Lord, I'm doing quite well and I've got a bit of spare cash. And I couldn't help noting that the you don't have any kind of, I've got a palace, you don't have a palace. Let me build you a palace. So it, it sounds like a very noble desire to honour God and to bless God. But he gets a, his knuckles wrapped ever so gently. And it is a natural thing because, I mean, God is living in a tent. There is, it would be a natural upgrade um, from a tabernacle to a temple. Um, and so Nathan just goes with it. Yeah, go do all that is in your heart. The Lord is with you. And then he's caught off guard as well. And the Lord speaks to Nathan in a, um, a vision at night and says, no, 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 you're going off in the wrong direction. And I think I think the, um, the headline of it is uh, basically, you want to build me a house no, 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 I'm going to build you a house. But there's a bit of wordplay going on. Um, and the word for house, like in English, has the sense of house that you live in or house as in the house of, you know, the a royal house, a dynasty. The house of Windsor. House of Windsor. Yeah. Um, and so he, God's going to build David a, a, a dynasty. Um, and this is, we're going to see an extraordinary promise which is going to um, shape the rest of the Bible storyline because there's going to be a throne that will always be inhabited and that a kingdom that will endure forever. I mean, in some ways, it's not an obvious pun, is it? Because a, a house, the one that you live in, and a house, the one that's a dynasty, I mean, it's, it, it seems like two very different things. And is the point of the pun that it just gives God the chance to say, let me absolutely reverse your attempt to bless me by saying that I want to bless you. So it's like... Um, I've been gracious to you and I'm going to be even more gracious to you. And your your only mistake was thinking that it had become time to pay me back was actually I've got even more to give to you. So you build me a house, house? no, how about I build you a house? It's kind of just a way of saying, uh, do you realise that I want, I've got even more that I want to give you, not the other way around? And the way that correction comes underlines that. So I think it's verses eight to nine. He says, let's, let's retrack. How does our relationship work? Um, here's how it works. I took you from the pasture. You didn't have anything. And I made you prince. Um, I've been with you. Uh, I've cut down your enemies. Uh, have you noticed the shape of our relationship? It's not a, a parity. It's basically, I bless you. I bless you. I bless you. 
And this is the way the relationship's going to go from here on. It's not a, a payback time. It's still, look, I'm the chief generous one. So just from the um, subjects of the verb, I, 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 in the past, and then verse nine, I will make you a great name. I will appoint a place for my people Israel. Um, I will give you rest from all your enemies. I will make you a house. So let let me be in the driving seat here, David, in the nicest possible way. Uh, you need more me more than I need you. I mean, it's a whole. John Piper has a whole book on this, doesn't he? Future Grace, where he talks about the the debtor's ethic, the idea that as Christians, Jesus has died for us, and now it's our turn. He's paid the price. Now we've got to pay him a price. And Piper says this is never ever in the Bible. Uh, the the way to relate to God is never payback. And this is a great example of that. And I think Piper goes on to explain the, re- the reason it's called future grace is if you want to serve God, which is what he wants from us, we can only serve God by going further into his debt because the very resources to serve him will come from him. So, and God's inviting us to do that. I've given you lots and I invite you to ask me to give you more so that you can live for me. Yeah. And it, I mean, it is a game changer in, in our whole uh, it shifts how we relate to God that there's it's basically always uh, saying thank you um it's never and going deeper into debt it's not it's never a payback um and there's a little lesson here about god's word being in the driving seat so even nathan the prophet and has slightly got, gets egg on his face because as you say in verse three he says yes god's definitely with you and sort of rubber stamps the plan and then in verse four the word of the Lord came to Nathan. And you think, shouldn't that be the other way around? Like if you're a prophet, wait for the word of the Lord to come and then speak it. But he sort of speaks it off his own hat. Yeah, I'm sure God's fine with that. Oh no, he's not. And then I think it's a bit pointed at the very end of this oracle. Verse 17, he says, in accordance with all these words and in accordance with this vision, Nathan spoke to David. Like as opposed to when he was just freestyling. <laughs> oh, I think God probably is fine with that. No, what did God actually say? Um, and then even when David has a suggestion, God asks him the question, like, really, are you really going to build me a house? Because I've never asked for a house. In all the places where I've moved, did I speak a word with any of the judges saying, why have you not built me a house? And it's almost like saying, don't, God's not that into us taking initiative. He, he wants his word to direct things. And when he wants something, he'll tell us. And if he hasn't said it in his word, it's not required of us. So... Yeah, it, I mean, obviously, there's, there's. I'm not saying God's against our imaginations and finding ways to obey Him, but be radically directed by what He says He wants. Yeah, and then there's this um, amazing promise, which I guess as Christians we we see Jesus in every line of it because it's about a, a King that's going to come into the world, um, a kingdom that's going to be established. Um, but one of the questions we discussed in our small group is who is the king? Mm-hmm. That's um, So let me read it. And it's worth thinking there's at least two contenders. It could be David's literal um, physical son, Solomon, or it could be his final, final great, great, great grandson, Jesus. So let me read a chunk and we'll have a think about it. Mm. Um, he says, verse 12, uh, when your days are fulfilled, you lie down with your fathers. I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I'll be to him a father, he, he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I'll discipline him with the rod of men, 
with the stripes of the sons of men, but my steadfast love shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. Um, so there's there's a few clues that suggest maybe it isn't Jesus. And, and I guess one of them would be when he commits iniquity, mm. I will discipline him. It's pretty hard to see how that relates um, to Jesus, whereas it's very obviously Solomon's situation where he goes off, he needs the Lord's discipline. And verse 13, he will build a house for my name. And Solomon is the one he builds a house for his name. So he's going to build the temple in 1 Kings chapter 8. Yeah. So, I mean, like everything about it is Solomon, isn't it? He's from my body. He builds the house when he's when he's uh, commits iniquity. I'll discipline him. The only thing reason people think it can't be Solomon is the promise that this is going to be an eternal throne. And people say, well, look, Solomon didn't have an eternal throne, so it must be somebody else. Yeah, and I, I guess the the key is noting it's it's not the king who's eternal, but the kingdom. I will establish his kingdom. I will establish the throne of his kingdom. Uh, your kingdom shall be made sure. So it, it's, it is directly applicable to Solomon that his kingdom will be secure because there will always be someone in his lineage. And actually, this is going to be a, a plot driver. And when we go mm. um, through, um, especially the book of Kings and the end of Kings, we, it's going to be quite critical because we know that we need the Davidic line to continue. And it's going to be put in potential jeopardy if... Um, there's a, an exile and the you know all the people are killed from that line and that's one of the cliffhangers what will the will the stream continue and and there's a kind of question of whether it has to run underground for a little bit um before it resurfaces now when i i uh, discussed the same thing in our small group and got some pushback um and you know rightly so because christians ought to push back when at first <laughs> they thought it was about jesus and you say oh, it's not about jesus it's about solomon and we're not saying it's about Solomon and not Jesus. It, it is about Jesus, but by a slightly longer route, right? So it's about Solomon in the first instance, but Solomon then becomes a type or a foreshadowing of, of Jesus. So that's why Jesus is called son of David. Um, he's not called David, I mean, the name of the king, but son of David, the, the, the role of Solomon, because Jesus does fulfill this role but a role that Solomon has first kind of outlined or sketched out. Yeah. And actually, um, famously, the angel Gabriel uh, riffs off this passage and explains why it really is Jesus. And he says, uh, you'll, you'll bear a son. He's saying to Mary in, in Luke chapter one, call his name Jesus. He'll be great and will be called son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. This is the promise that mm-hmm. we're looking at. And then here's the extra element. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. So previously we knew the kingdom was going to endure, but we assumed it was going to be through a succession. Mm. But now we discover that this person will reign forever. And so you won't need an endless succession. David didn't have, uh, Jesus didn't have any children, but that's not the point because uh, he doesn't need any. He's going to sit on the throne indefinitely. So this chapter is pretty important in the bible story for a few reasons um for one thing it's just a reminder that god always wants to be the one blessing and giving and we always need to be in his debt it's never payback but then it's also the announcement of um, a kingdom which has advanced the story a bit because we know god made promises to abraham about this nation about the nation of israel and that in some ways he wanted to restore his purposes for creation through that family. 
but now it's getting focused in on one person within Israel. So just, I mean, it, it it's sort of narrowing in order to broaden, right? So it was, it narrowed to Israel in Genesis 12, but God said to Abraham, but in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So nation, the nation in order to bless everybody. Now it's one person in order to bless the nation, in order to bless everybody. So it's narrowing even more to in order to expect. It's like an hourglass, I guess. It, it comes into a point of one man, and out from that man, this king will bless the country, will bless the world. And, and there's various ways we see this isn't a, a side plot in the Bible storyline. This is the main plot because um, this is the fulfillment of the Abraham promises. Verse 9, I will make for you a great name. I will appoint a place for my people Israel. Mm. Um, and w- it, all of that imagery is straight from Genesis 12, where Abraham's promised a name and a place. And, and rest from your enemies is, I guess, a Sabbath thing, right from the creation week. Yeah, yeah. The uh, goal of all, all things. Yeah, thank you. And the so we know it's kind of the big um, beam of the spear is behind it. All the promises so far are leading up to this point. And then, like you say, he's going to be called the son of God, verse 14, he, God will be a, he, um, I'll be to him a father, he, he shall be to me a son. So the whole nation of God's son in Exodus 4, uh, but now the king is going to be the son of God in a peculiar way. So he's going to be the sharp point of the, sp- the spear. He will kind of, what happens to him will happen to the whole nation. It's interesting you say that because I think often Christians, when they read Jesus is the son of God, we immediately think that's a statement about the trinity um jesus is god the son the second person of the trinity and of course he is um if you see me you've seen the father but jesus being the son of god is also a king title so solomon was a son of god in in this sense um or rehoboam was the son of god so jesus the son of god it mean it, it could be a title about his divinity or it could be a title about his humanity as as the human king yeah and after this wonderful, extraordinary promise, um, we then get to hear directly how David responds. And there's a beautiful prayer from 18 to the end. And um, the, what David really wants to respond is is just, wow, grace, grace, grace. This is what you're always like, Lord, and you're, you're giving more of the same. Hmm. Um, it is, it's one of the most beautiful prayers in the Bible, isn't it? Because it's... Uh, what do you how do you say thank you to somebody who said he's given you the most unimaginable thing and he praises god um a lot verse 22 you are great O lord god there's none like you there's no god besides you according to all that we've heard with our ears um, and then he says not only are you great but you've done and promised an amazing thing and he ba- he basically says back to god what god's just said to him so god says remember i've blessed you and I want you to realize I want to continue to bless you. And he basically says, God, you've blessed me and you want to continue to bless me. So he's like echoing back God's words to him, which is not a bad model for prayer, actually. Read the Bible, hear what God says, and then ask him to do the thing that he said he'll do. And there's this lovely idea that he gets the magnitude of what's just been promised. So who am I, O Lord God? What's my house that you have brought me thus far, 18? Like, this is unimaginable, the kindness I've been shown already. And then he, he says, and yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You've spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come. So all the incredible grace I've experienced uh, is, is tiddly 
compared to the magnitude of this promise and he says this is instruction for mankind this is your charter for humanity some translations put it so mm. he, he grasps right at the beginning this isn't you know a nice thing for him and his family this is going to be the thing the whole world needs um, and then sometimes people ask if god's sovereign like if god's already decided what he's going to do then what's the point of praying because um, you know, is it going to really change the future and God's going to do it anyway? And so why pray to a God who's made plans? And I think this is a really good answer to that quandary because actually far from it being a hindrance to David's prayers that God's decided what he'll do, it's actually the thing that energizes and motivates them. So uh, verse 27, you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant saying i'll build your house therefore your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you and he says the same thing in verse 28 now O lord god you are god your words are true you promised this good thing now therefore may it please you to bless the house of your servant that it may continue forever so it's almost like he's saying i would never dare to pray a prayer this big or this audacious but Lord, you did say this is what you were going to do. So I'm going to hold you to it. And so it's not trying to change God's course, but it's kind of getting behind it and saying, Lord, please fulfill. I'm asking confidently, knowing that this is what you want, hmm. which I guess is what a Christian prays when we pray your kingdom come, because we know that God's kingdom is going to come and your will be done. And God says, I know it's my will. It's going to be done. Yeah, no, I know, Lord, but I'd like to ask that you do the thing that you want to do. So prayer is sort of a lot is lining up with God's purposes um, and asking that God will f would fulfill them. Yeah, that's right. And and he um, yeah, he pleads the promises of God and says, come on, let's bring it on. I can't wait. And and that's that's the um, the Christian's prayer uh, every day. Lord, I can't wait for what's coming. Please bring it on. So you know, in what ways is this the model Christian prayer? I guess we can't pray it as the king jesus could have prayed it as the king and maybe he did i mean something similar to this father this is what you said you'll do please do it but i suppose we can pray it as the servants of the king lord please exalt your king and bring about the kingdom of the lord jesus in this way like you said that you would thanks so much for listening to grace pod and uh, do join us next time Thank you for listening to Grace Pod. For more information about Grace Church Greenwich, visit www.greenwich.church.